Good morning, everybody. Today I have with me the world-famous Joe Bravo, a famous muralist in the city of Los Angeles. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, you're awesome, man. Joe, you know, I'm really glad to hear. I'm really honored that you're here today. You've been a great success as an artist, and especially with murals. The mural we just looked at across the street, tell me about that one. What gave you the inspiration to actually do murals? Actually, back in 1975-76, I approached the Citywide Mural Program. There was a program called the Citywide Mural Program under Judy Baca, and they were starting to do murals all over L.A., and I asked her, well, you know, I would like to do a mural. And she said, well, where are you from? I said, well, from Wilmington. You know, I went to high school and junior high there. It goes, oh, great, we got a, a perfect wall for you. So she gave me the address. I came and looked at it, and I go, wow, this would be perfect. Then I started, you know, developing concepts of, you know, well, well first of all, any mural, any art project, you start with a concept, meaning what do you want to say to the world, to the public? And I thought, well, what's the biggest need or the biggest concern in Wilmington? And at the time, you know, it was, you know, the continuing uh, gang violence. And I hate even using the word gang violence because they, some of it could be just between two individuals, you know, but they label it with gang violence. But but it's just, you know, the, uh, the I don't know what the word for violence is, or I can't think of one right now, but I wanted to somehow contribute to lessening that because I feel you can never com- completely uh, get rid of, you know, violence or evil, for that matter. But we can certainly do our part to tone it down, and that's what I was trying to do here with my mural. So I understand you got some of the youth from the community involved in helping you paint the thing. And so. oh, oh, definitely. Yeah, as part of doing the mural, they uh, asked me if I would work with some local youth from the community center, and John Mendes at the time was the d- director, and he... Uh, well, you have to ask the youth that I forget how they ended up with me, but I interviewed them and they didn't have any painting experience, but I said, well, I'll teach you what you need to know. So I had four youth helping me. It was Artie Cepeda, Lorenzo. Robert Soria, Robert Gutierrez, and there was another one. Which Lorenzo, was, Lorenzo Mooney, right? Um, no, I think Mooney was too young. Mooney is uh, Artie Cepeda's younger brother. He was there. But, I mean, those are the four individuals that were assisting me, but other guys came and helped, you know. They painted a little bit of here, a little bit of there, but they were main, the four principal assistants that I had in that mural. That's cool. So Citywide Murals was what helped you get right. this city, thing off the ground? City, it was a Citywide Mural program that they had at the time, and then they, it didn't last very long, a few years. But then Judy went and turned that into Spark, which was a privately funded or nonprofit that, where she continued to do murals all over the world, and she's successful. But I did the one mural, and then you know I got married shortly thereafter, and I had to get you know a real job, <laughs> <laughs> or because oh, it's hard to survive as an artist, you know, especially doing murals. So I got a job working for ad agencies, had two great sons, beautiful sons, and I have two beautiful grandchildren, but, you know, I got a job working for ad agencies, you know, throughout my career. I retired as an art director, graphic designer, so I got into that because at the time there were no computers, so you had, anytime you made a presentation, like, Pioneer Chicken was one of our accounts, we had to draw 
what their ad would look like before we invested money in photography and printing or anything like that. So we, so I thought, oh great, I'll get to still draw, you know. And so everything was done with markers. So I got really good with markers. So I did that, and uh, then computers came in. I picked up the computer, but all uh, that really helped me. Now because the computer is a tool like a brush, and now I use it whenever I develop new ideas for a mural or for any painting. I first do a lot of the composition, a lot of research on the computer, put it all together, and then make a printout, then I do my drawing. Otherwise, I'd have to be doing separate sketches for all these different components of the mural, so. Wow, I understand so, you, you, besides the mural here in Wilmington, you've done several around all around LA. Uh, yes, I, I did one in Venice, I think, in like 78, but that whole building got torn down, so that's gone, you know, I guess, uh, uh, them a gentrification. And then I did another one in Pacoima, and it was an anti-angel dust mural message, and I had, I had like a demon or something in it, but and I had an Aztec warrior or a Mayan warrior and a Maasai warrior from Africa, because it was black and brown people living in that. It was a, a big apartment complex, so I did that, but they panned over because they told me that the demon was scaring the little kids in the neighborhood, so uh, yeah, yeah. I just painted the whole thing, and that was in Pacoima, and let's see, I did another, okay, yeah, I did one in Highland Park where I currently live, but I did that with Judy Baca and Sonia Pei and Arnold Ramirez, and, we, and that one's actually longer than this one's not as tall, but it was a history of Highland Park that we painted, and that's still there. That you know, that's considered uh, a grandfather mural. In other words, murals that have been around so long, nobody can touch them because they're you know they've been around so long. And recently, I I did a mural. It's hanging in Ramona Gardens in East LA, but I did it at home on a big giant piece of canvas on the hung it up in the gym inside. And I painted a little one in Pasadena. I was teaching at a alternative high school. I taught them art, but I also taught them mural techniques, and we did like a small mural during their little quad. You know, I've been just pain, painting large also recently, so. Well, but, Joe, but I know, I know now that, that you, besides doing murals, you're very successful You at cer certain art shows, and hmm. you've become famous for, um, I know the Mexican Cultural Art Institute show you did, the Traveling Museum of Tortilla Art, Tell, tell me about that. Yeah, uh, well, my goal one day is to do a museum of tortilla art. In college, I had a uh, an art assignment too for one of my classes. I didn't have the time or the really the money to go buy canvas, so I was eating breakfast and I had some corn tortillas. And I go, hey, I wonder what would happen if I painted on it. So I painted on them and accepted accepted the paint really good. The flower didn't work so well, but so I stuck with corn. And I did about four or five of them. And to display them, I thought, well, I'll make a hanging mobile out of it, you know, so that way they're all together. A mobile is something where, where you hang your artwork uh, from strings or from wires, or something, and it acts as one unit, as one piece. So I did that. But I didn't preserve them. I didn't coat them with anything. And corn tortillas, once they dry, you know, you know they get really brittle. So the Santa Ana winds came and they broke all in pieces. So, you know, I forgot about it. Well, I did exhibit it at a, at a gallery at Cal State Northridge where I went to college. I exhibited it at a, 
little art show, Chicano art show we had. And then I graduated, went on, forgot all about it. And years, about 20 years later, I was talking with an alumni and she said, we were talking about the old days at CSUN. And she said, remember that tortilla, the tortilla artist? And I said, that was me. And she didn't know. And she said, oh, she said, that was a great political, social, uh, cultural statement that I made. I go, well, I just painted on tortillas. And, and she was encouraged and said, no, that was a great idea. And I started thinking about it. And by that time, I was getting close to retiring. I was just freelancing as an art director, graphic designer. Uh, using the computer, and then uh, I thought, well, you know, what would happen if I tried to really research it and find some way to preserve it and to present it? Because you know, you got painting, preservation, preservation, and you know, how do you present it? You know, it's got to be presentable. So, so I I bought the burrito-sized corn or flour tortillas because that was the largest I could find in the store. Corn. I, initially, I was doing corn, but you know they were little, and I would show with other artists, and they had these huge paintings, and and they would look at my little corn tortilla paintings, and go, oh, that's nice, you know, they saw it as a novelty. So then I thought I'd get serious, and I went to burrito size, but flour tortillas will shrink about two inches once once they're dry and all the moisture is out. So. So I exhibit them, and you know it was a little bit more impressive, but not quite what I thought you know, what a, how far I could take it. So I went to uh, San Marcos Tortilleria in East LA. I'm through a friend who had a restaurant and she would uh, order her tortillas from there. So so I went and I spoke with uh, one of the owners and I said, could you, what's the largest your press? Because he showed me how they pressed up the flour tortillas and all. And, and, I said, how big can you get on that press? I said, I don't know, we never tried. I said, okay, we'll see what you can do. And they came out with a 20 inch diameter tortilla. And once that dried it. This is corn tortilla, right? No, flour, corn, corn, they cannot make it that big because corn is something that's very brittle and breaks in. Even when I try to flatten them, it'll break very easily. And flour is more, amenable to uh, you know folding and doing things with it so we stuck with flour and and once we you know I dried them they only shrank about four inches so I had 22 23 inch tortillas so I started painting on that and I got a framer to make custom-made uh, shadow box frame shadow box frame is those real deep ones that, but mine are only maybe an inch and a half deep. So started doing that, but okay, and I was just putting a lot of acrylic varnish, you know, because I was using acrylic. Oh, and I used acrylic paint because I experimented with enamel and oil paints, but those paints, when they dry, they get brittle and they crack. But acrylic paint is made, is a plastic base, so it will mold or. A little more flexible. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, if it gets too hot or too cold, you know, they'll, they'll take, they can take the heat. Essentially, they can, you know, fold with the temperature. So, uh, yeah, so then I, I put it in acrylic varnish, and that was great until I started no noticing these little bugs that burrow in. And 
were laying their eggs in the, my tortillas because they had an, a limited supply of food there for little babies, you know. So, so then uh, I would start spraying them like crazy with uh, bug spray and everything, and and they killed some of them, but they would still keep coming back. So. Uh, then I started coating them with an epoxy resin. You know, it's that tabletop resin that you see in, yeah. like, bar tops and all that. And that helped really curtail them down. But then I talked with somebody who worked at the Getty, and she was an intern. And she said, yeah, you know, we have the same problem with these old paintings. And what we do is we freeze them. I was like, oh. So I, then I started putting them in my refrigerator overnight and that killed the bugs you know so and to keep them from coming back you know I have the epoxy resin and now rather than spraying like bug spray I have a more natural uh, spray that I mix myself by putting like a gallon of water with a couple tablespoons of uh, baking soda and oh and dishwashing soap well and the, and the tinge of a uh, of uh, peppermint essential oil to give it a nice smell, <laughs> and then I sp and that's uh, perfectly you know it's non-harmful to human beings like bug spray, and I tried it on some ants that came in my house and I sprayed that mint right away. It's almost like they were dissolving the ants, so that's what I use now. You know, it's, uh, it's so it's, it, so you discovered the bug spray. Yeah, it's on the internet. They have different ways you can make your own uh, bug spray. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so that's why where I'm currently at with uh, my battle with the bugs. <laughs> so you actually got taken care of it. Now you're, now yeah. you're doing uh, these shows all over the right. world now, huh? Right, and that's the, you know what happened over the years. But, okay, like I said, I first started exhibiting small, but once I was doing them real big, I uh, was approached by Velardo de la Peña, who's from Wilmington, also a Banning graduate. And he was the director at the Mexican Cultural Institute, Instituto Cultural Mexicano in, uh, on Alberta Street. And they had like a basement uh, gallery there. And he asked me if I would like to exhibit. You know, they were exhibiting different artists of like, would have, like to have an exhibit. And I thought, well, that would be great because of the traffic. Any exhibit, what an artist looks for is that there's a lot of traffic. I mean, you can have the greatest art exhibit and, uh, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And if you don't have the traffic, it's not going to be that successful, no matter how great the art is, because you want people to come through, look at it, spread the word, you know, give you your opinion. So I had a lot of traffic there. And apparently... Uh, Agustin Gursa, who was a Chicano writer at the time for the LA Times, he heard about it and he came and he interviewed me and his editors liked it so much that they put me on the front page of the calendar section for the LA Times and I should have brought you a, a sample of it. But So that's based on that, then my whole tortilla painting career took off <laughs> because then I had a... Yeah, people from everywhere calling me, uh, all the local TV stations. I was on Channel 5, morning show with Gail Anderson. She came in and interviewed me there. 
at the uh, downstairs gallery, and then I got a call from a producer for Tyra Banks when she had her, her show out here wow. in Hollywood, and he said, uh, you like Tyra Banks, don't you? I go, oh, I guess, yeah. I guess. Well, she, you know, she wants you on her show and blah, 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 because she saw your, she read your article and, and she, because she was having like, like tons of guests. Like for one show, she would have like 12 different people guests there. So, so I went down there. They were uh, taping at the CBS studio and uh, by the, uh, what's that place? Uh, Glendale? No, no, it's uh, where the farmer's market is. The Grove. Yeah, yeah. I guess there's a Grove now. I don't think that, maybe there was one, but this was like in 2000, 2007. So I went there, did the taping, and then I got more well-known after that. And then I got a uh, email from a marketing company or an advertising company in Hong Kong saying uh, they would like to you know, exhibit my artwork. And, and, you know, I get a lot of emails and some, you know, I have to filter out. And at first I thought, oh, they're just, because their English was bad and the email and all that. And so, you know, I said, okay, you know, send me some more info about you and what you want to do. So apparently, uh, yeah, there were a, a company that worked for a, uh, a shopping center and a hotel that were owned by the same people. And they wanted to fly me out there to, you know, exhibit my artwork. I said, okay, fine. And uh, and I, of course, I, I I said, well, you know, it's not going to be free, you know. So they paid me a stipend to travel over there, and uh, and since they owned the hotel, they put me in a really nice hotel right next door. And over there in Hong Kong. It's not like the malls here over there. I mean, they're like five, seven stories high because everybody in the Far East goes to Hong Kong. Hong wow. Kong is a big, yeah. big shopping center. They have like all your major brands, like uh, I don't know, uh, well, name some of the high-end Pierre Cardin. They had shops there, everywhere. So, so I was there for twelve days. Uh, and Hong Kong's beautiful, by the way. It was so green and lush and. I didn't see any tagging. Maybe no. Maybe I, I think I did see one. But it's a, you know, it's a beautiful city, and I traveled all, all around there, and so that was a great experience. And I came back, and and but the great thing was that in the lobby of the uh, shopping center, which was quite big, they built like a whole little art gallery for me. You know, they had walls and everything, and. And I, you know, they put up my work, and yeah, I had, I think I shipped them about 20 pieces, and I had 20 on my tortillas, and then they had like a, a big press conference, <laughs> and I mean, they had all kinds of reporters and TV crews, because apparently I was a, I was big over there, I didn't even know, you know. But so, did you learn any Chinese while you were there? No, no, actually, well, Hong Kong, it was English-based, so, you know, they all speak English, and all the Chinese people who help me, they all have like an English first name, like Connie or really? Leslie or, yeah, you know, uh, but yeah, they had, you know, so, but they, they spoke, you know, English. Okay. So that was kind of eye-opening for you too, then, huh? Yeah, yeah, and, they, and the way they present their business cards, that they use both hands to present it to you, but I just thought that, well, you know, I usually just practically throw a business card at somebody, but, 
but they did that. But just the, you know the cultural change, I mean, just to see another culture, and how they uh, act and eat, and just what they do, and the influences of Western culture, Western civilization on, on them. But yeah, I had I had a great time. Came back, and then I had an exhibit at Artes Americas in Fresno. And I conducted a couple of tortilla painting workshops over there as well. Because generally, I like to, uh, if it's within the budget, I like to give a paint a workshop on how to paint tortillas. And I generally prepare the tortillas because you know we don't want some of them are kids. We don't want them messing around with cooking or burning tortillas. So I usually come with all the tortillas already primed and uh, ready to paint. So, in fact, I did one of those for, was it KCRW at the uh, River Center, it used to be the Laurie's uh, in, uh, I guess, that city would be LaSalle Park or Cypress Park. But, yeah, I did, uh, they hired me to, you know, just hold an open uh, tortilla painting. Actually, it was tortilla tournament is what they called it. And so... You know, I came ready. I even hired an assistant to help me. But man, it was so many people coming, and I couldn't really keep the tabs on everybody. And people were squeezing the bottles of paint too hard, and it was paint splashing all over the place. I mean, it was it was fun, but it was a mess, you know. But usually, I like to have more control environments. Usually, I teach through school, like I taught at a. A Pomona nonprofit. They had a school there too. So, yeah, and I've taught at a lot of schools. And and another place I gave a workshop that was in a couple of years ago in San Juan Capistrano, their main library, which is a designed by a real famous architect. I had an exhibit there, and then I also had a tortilla painting workshop. And you know, and then they're kind of fun because it's for all ages. You know, you get viejitos, little kids. You know, it doesn't matter the language. Everybody comes in and, uh, you know, paints and they have fun. Well, this has been amazing, Joe. It's been really great to hear from you and uh, I'm really glad you're uh, getting back into your art scene here. But I understand you're going to do, you're, you're thinking about doing another mural here in Wilmington. Yes. Uh, I've been actually for several years. Uh, I work closely with D.C. Chavez. He was one of the original coordinators here the mural and he's still very involved in the community because he works as a longshoreman so you know he's got like the post in the community and we're trying to find a suitable location in Wilma Wilma or just the south south bay to do preferably Wilmington to do a really nice mural another mural kind of like to as the other bookend to this mural that I did here and hopefully you know uh something will come through you know if i get support from the community some maybe corporate sponsors you got all these refineries here and i got plenty of ideas plenty of sketches that you know i could come up with to uh, do a, another wonderful mural yeah that sounds great i'm really looking forward to having you back over here and hoping we can get uh do another show on getting this this project off the ground so you know i'd like to invite you back again sometime and um well, thank you very much for being here today. Yeah. Appreciate it. And I thank you for inviting me here to, you know, talk about my art, to talk about 
my roots, you know, well, my junior high and high school roots anyway, from just, you know, a lot of people that I still know here in Wilmington. And a lot of people don't know that me and Joe went to school together. We actually, we, we weren't very, yeah. we didn't really know each other in high yeah. school, but I remember Joe walking around with his portfolio, showing showing every, everybody had to see his art all the time. It was a real good drawer, real good in art class, and, you know. Yeah. Who was your art teacher over there? Okay, at the time, uh, Miss McCorkle, I think, was the more influential. Mr. Johnson, I liked him because he looked like Kennedy, and everybody would kid him, and he looked like Robert Kennedy. But, yeah, he was young, and uh, I understand he's uh, taught there for a long time. I think he just recently retired about, really? uh, I think it was been about five, six years ago, he just retired. Wow, I'd like to you know, say hi to him or hook up with him. He still, he still looked the same, though, man. You know, really? Yeah, he still looked like Surfer yeah. Joe, but, you know, yeah. you know, he was he was a real good teacher, you know. Yeah, he was. He was my art teacher. You know, some people can teach with... Uh, with uh, uh, by teasing, and he was the kind of guy. He was like, yeah, real sarcastic, but it would make you laugh yeah, yeah. and make you do your work, you know. Yeah. But, uh, he was he had that down, you know. He's one of those guys. And yeah. McCorkle, she was the one that yeah. cracked the whip. You had to yeah. do, you had to do what she said, or you, but but you learned. <laughs> but she you learned, yeah. She was a very good teacher, yeah. a very good teacher. Yeah. So yeah, in fact, she came to my the first dedication in 1977 she was here with another art teacher i forget her name but i remember miss mccorkle came and that was maybe 10 years after i had graduated yeah yeah she's a very very good teacher yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm glad uh, we still remember all these old people and uh, yeah and that, that we're still here ourselves and, yeah yeah and uh yeah i would love to come back you know and talk more about you know whatever art projects i'm working on at the time and you know Sounds great. Thank you very much, Joel. I'm really glad you were here. All right, Mike. My pleasure.